0: Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacy Jones.
1: Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, and I'm so happy to be here with you all today. And I want to give a very warm welcome to Sarah Noel Block. Sarah is the founder of Tiny Marketing and is an inbound marketing expert who focuses on an education-based approach to marketing for SMBs and solopreneurs. Her approach to marketing systems makes it easy for tiny teams to have a big impact. She works with businesses in two ways. First, marketing education and products for small businesses, and secondly, strategy and executing content marketing and inbound funnels. Today, Sarah and I are going to be chatting about how to build systems that will allow you to create content, no matter how small your team. We'll learn what works from Sarah's perspective, what mistakes to avoid, and how some businesses and individuals just miss the mark. Sarah, welcome. So happy to have you here today. Thanks for having me. Well, I am always delighted to talk to content marketers because I have really built Hollywood Branded around the back bone of education and content marketing. So today I'm happy to unleash you to all of our listeners and have them learn better tricks than what we might even have in place. Can you share with us how
0: you got started in this whole world? Well, I was in marketing from the very beginning, right out of school. I went into marketing. Eventually I ended up being the marketing director for a seven company group. And I was a one person marketing department, so it was a bit of a struggle because I had seven bosses telling me, mm, I think this will work for my business unit. I think we should try this. And at the same time, I had to be showing up as each one of these brands. So it was just really overwhelming. I sat in my cubicle, just bawling my eyes out, not really, figuratively, and had to like figure out what would work. I had to build a system when it was just me and I had to be pulled in so many different directions. So that's when I built out the system that tiny marketing is based around. So I could show up for each one of those companies and still have the time to do these little experiments in marketing that each one of these business units still wanted to try.
1: And I bet what you didn't realize at the time is you were setting yourself up to be an agency owner or consultant who could manage so many other people's systems by the system you were creating. I had no idea. (laughs) So it's hard for anyone in any company, even if you only have one person you're answering to and one marketing message that you're trying to get out, but seven's a lot. So how did you approach systemizing those processes?
0: So the first thing I realized is we needed a foundation at the very beginning when there's so many people that you're answering to, not just the presidents, but the salespeople, they all had their own opinions. You couldn't really say no without having a reason why. (laughs) So I figured that I needed to create a marketing plan, a solid marketing plan for each one of those business units and keep it super streamlined so i knew exactly what needed to be created then i broke it down into what are we going to be focusing on what goals are we going to be focusing on each quarter from there you can break it down into monthly tasks weekly tasks and it becomes a lot more manageable and just streamlining cutting anything that's not working and focusing on what matters showing up and generating leads And so you said a few things that are like magic words
1: in there. So one, cutting things that are not working. That means that you actually had to be able to analyze what was working or not working. And the other thing that I thought was really important that you just said was leads, because that's the whole point to all of this, of what we're doing with content marketing is to create new business opportunities or to strengthen those that you already have. Mm -hmm. So on the first... What kind of systems did you create where you could actually dive in better and figure out what was working and test something and then throw it out the window if it wasn't?
0: So I went backwards in time when I was creating the marketing plan and looked at all of the analytics of the different things that we have tested out channels we've tested out, publications we've worked with, everything, our blog, how we were getting traffic, how we were converting leads. I looked at all of that when I was building out the marketing plan to begin with, and I started with the things that I knew through the data were moving the needle. And either we were building our awareness from it, we were converting or we were building relationships with our already existing customers, those were the things I cared about. So I made a very streamlined marketing plan for each one of those business units based off of that data. And then from there, if a company president had an idea, like, let's say this was 10 years later, hey, TikTok is coming out. Let's see how that would work out. Then I can make that as part of my quarterly plan. We're gonna experiment with TikTok for a quarter. These are the benchmarks that we're going to be setting. And if we hit this, that means success and we'll keep doing it. And if we don't hit that, then that means it's a cut. It was a learning experience. So you actually did a smart approach is what you're saying,
1: where you put benchmarks in place before you jumped in and then tried to swim your way out of it.
0: Yes, exactly. So we knew what was success, what was failure before getting into it.
1: And I'm also assuming you did not allow those business units to say, let's try TikTok this month and let's try blogging this month and let's right. try this month <laughs> and let's try.
0: No, you cannot experiment with everything at the same time. You have to be very strategic about what you're experimenting with.
1: Especially if there's one of you.
0: Yeah, there's one of me. No, you get one. You get one lab.
1: So when you're working with Clients now, how do you approach, what's your first step into the foray of helping them figure out how to establish a strong content marketing experience and plan?
0: First step is that foundation, just like it was with that company. I build out their content strategy. So first thing first is having a conversation with all of the stakeholders involved in the company, and then next bringing in the customers. I survey all of their customers and then I'll have one on one interviews with as many as they'll let me so I can get good insight into what channels they really care about, what their pain points are, what it is that they really needed solved when they looked for that company, things like that. And then doing a little copy stocking where you go into forums, you go into Amazon book reviews and you see what people are saying around that type of service or that type of product and if you're looking at amazon book reviews for example those three star reviews are gold because they're telling you exactly what it is that's missing from that book and that's something that you might be able to pull into your product or pull into your service because they're raising their hand and saying hey this is something i need look for those trends and not the one star not two stars no Usually those are just pissed off people. (laughs) I find like too angry and it's kind of an irrational viewpoint. And five, they're best friends with the author. (laughs) That's true. And so
1: when you're building out content strategies, does this work for any business of any type? or Are there certain businesses that should be doing content marketing and some that shouldn't?
0: I have not found one where it doesn't work because the foundation of it is educating and building trust with your audience. I can't imagine there's a time that that doesn't matter. I work with mainly B2B's. I do work with a few B2C's, but it works. You're building a relationship with your customers and you're selling them at mass because you're teaching them how to solve their problem. And then when they're saying, "Okay, I can't do this myself, then they're going to come to you because they trust you at this point
1: and with that so you've established
0: a loose plan what then well it doesn't stay loose for long that's the first that's the first step of it that's when we're doing our data gathering and we'll do the content audits and see where people are coming in what content that they really care about and then we'll go into customer avatars messaging What really matters to them? Your unique value proposition and your content differentiator. What makes your content different? There's a million companies like yours. How do we do it differently? Content themes, topics, distribution methods, repurposing methods, all of that. It ends up being like 80 pages. Just 80 pages. Just 80 pages.
1: Content. (laughs) And then what is the step after that?
0: After that is established, we're talking content marketing or marketing plan.
1: We can go with either one if you're still on the marketing plan before you start actually executing content, maybe.
0: Okay, so the next step, if we're talking about systems, is to break it down into quarterly. So what is your goal for that quarter? Look at key dates that are happening around your business or around your customers that quarter or campaigns, products that you're going to be launching or relaunching and then building out your content plan according to that. So I like to do the entire content plan in one setting, one workshop once a quarter and build it all out. And at the same time, figuring out the distribution plan for all of those pieces. How can we repurpose that so you're showing up every day without creating nonstop content? You don't want content burnout.
1: <laughs> and You also want to be able to leverage all the channels that are easy for you to do with that replicated content as well, that you can chop up into tiny little pieces.
0: Yeah. There's easy ways to reuse it. And then there's, you know, more complicated ways to repurpose it where you're creating something net new from what already exists, but either way you can stretch your content really far doing it in different ways.
1: When you talk to companies, and I know this happens because I have the same conversations, people don't really know how to get started with content. They think of having to write a blog as being just an uphill battle or starting a podcast or creating content for social or writing an ebook. Or if you start thinking about it, it can become really overwhelming quickly. How do you make it more digestible and where it is something that A team can do internally and and not have to take on a whole new job
0: yeah it can be really easy if you plan it out ahead of time you could do it super easily with even solo entrepreneurs that don't have anyone on the team if you plan it out with a repurposing strategy in mind so i would start if you don't have a content strategy and you don't plan on having one i would start off with just looking at a couple things Who is your customer and what is it that they need solved and then build your content around that that should be the lens that all of your content is created around think of it like a venn diagram this is the problem that your customer has this is the solution you have where that meets in the middle that's what you should be talking about online and then don't overthink it i like to record my sales calls and have a transcript on so I can have them recorded, like the transcript recorded. And then I just scan for questions that I've been asked. Anything that's like a reoccurring question that I get asked, that's content. That's something that I could create something around because likely other people have that question. You could also go to like BuzzSumo if you're running out of ideas and put in that type of like the theme or the topic that you talk about and see what's trending. So it'll be more easily grabbed up by by people on social media. So that's easy ways to start. Well, over a decade ago, back in 2012, I
1: started our blog where I did exactly what you're talking about. And it was suggested to me by a marketing guru of um, creating a blog. I didn't know where to start. And I found myself that I was writing long emails, responding to clients and potential customers' inquiries, and they just weren't getting it. And I would write the blog or the article or the email really to them. And then I would take it and I would post it as a blog and article, wait a day or two. This is like literally that night for me. Having met with them. And then I would send them and I would backdate it also, by the way. I was like, that was tricky on this one. And <laughs> you no, know, we were talking about this. And I happen to have written an article that really dives into all the questions that you have. And I think it'll Genius. provide the answers. <laughs> and that's really how I started the blog. And I mean, we have over 2000 articles now. Then our team writes as well. And, and this is what I try to get them to do of you know what are the questions that you're being asked, just as you said. And just write to be able to answer that. And if you provide a really thoughtful response, you have evergreen content now that you can keep on using. And the same thing that you said with, you know, you're having a sales call and you're recording it. You have moments, I am sure, like me and like all of our listeners too, of absolute genius that you're like, oh my God, that was so great. (laughs) I wish I just had someone following me around with a recording. But you do have those in your everyday life when you're having conversations with your peers or with customers or potential customers.
0: Yeah, it makes it so much easier. And another way to just super easily get started with content is just committing to doing one core piece of content a month. You can, if you're willing to hop on a conversation on zoom or whatever, with a subject matter expert or an influencer, and just have a conversation about a topic within your field, your zone of genius, you can use that and chop it up into different micro videos for YouTube, for Reels, TikToks. So you can create a blog from it, grab the audio, make a podcast out of it. There's so much you can do with it. And it's just, you know, an hour of your time once a month. Another one of my favorite places to send people to try to figure out how to
1: create content is Cura or Reddit. And you look to see like, mm-hmm. well- are out there and then you respond and then you take some of that content and you actually make it into your own that you can repurpose in different yeah
0: yeah that's really smart we go through those forums from reddit and quora during like the content strategy when we're looking for pain points and ideas and during the quarterly planning session but i never actually like answer any of them i'm more like a stalker (laughs) lurker in there Oh, I'm a total, a responder. And then I'm like,
1: here's the link to a longer article That's Give me smart. more information. I'm like, please come to my blog, come and find us more. <laughs> you obviously are looking for answers to questions you're pondering and I can help. Yes. Uh, so with the content, you know, you mentioned a moment ago, podcast being a point of content as well. Is that something that you're doing with a lot of your clients?
0: I'm not doing that with a lot of my clients, but I do it with myself. I started when I launched Tiny Marketing in 2020, I started a live stream show that same week. I was like, "Mm, might as well. Let's see. (laughs) Everyone was doing it because it was like COVID and that was the only way we could see and talk and interact with each other. So I took all of those videos from the live streams and I grabbed the audio from them and I ended up turning it into a podcast later. And my podcast ended up blowing up way more than my live stream show ever did. So I kept that going. But, you know, with data, without data, I wouldn't have never known that. (laughs) But, yeah, it's The Tiny Marketing Show. Everyone who's
1: listening, head to The Tiny Marketing Show to check out more as well from Sarah. And so... With that, so you were live streaming versus the opposite approach of podcasting where you're editing and you're cutting it down. There's some people who just live stream. And what did you find was the difference between the two of those?
0: Yeah. So I liked the live streaming because I could have a live interaction with my audience and we would chat. It was really kind of spontaneous and fun and energetic as opposed to podcasting or pre-recording where it's a little it's polished Mm -hmm. and there's a little more pressure (laughs) there's less pressure when you're live streaming i have since moved to pre-recording my videos now because it was so laggy (laughs) with the live stream so like the recordings some of them like my lips would be off from the audio because of the bandwidth while we were doing it so lessons learned but I liked that live interaction. It was energetic.
1: I will say after the amount of time that we were like in lockdown with COVID, especially living in California, that a lot of my podcasts with the, basically the internet overload of all my neighbors and the children 24 seven now being on internet that could not possibly function at the high enough levels Yeah, uh, where they rewired our neighborhood at the end of COVID. (laughs) All of my podcasts are laggy too. Like you can't, my voice, my face, everything. And those were pre-recorded. So that makes me feel better
0: because it was like real bad.
1: (laughs) Yes. I had my whole team for a while was taking swing um, grabs of me and sending me um, lovely pictures of my face frozen in different ways. It was like the best boss revenge that you could do. (laughs)
0: Isn't that the worst? I used to get messages from people while I was live streaming. You're frozen over here. I'm like, and <laughs> what am I what supposed do to do about to do? that now? Right. <laughs> so
1: with podcasts, you can obviously cut them down. And if you do your pre-recording, you then have your transcript and then you can cut it down to bite-sized pieces. And then you can put it out into little social media content, blogs as well. Is there a preferred medium that you have for approaching when you're working with people to say, okay, you should go and start with blogs so that we can repurpose, or you can start with the audio so that we can repurpose?
0: Yeah, I always say the best core content is video because there's so much you can do with it. It's a good top of the pyramid that can be broken down into every other element. You can still repurpose a blog, It's just you're kind of going upstream because then you'll have to create the video content after the audio content after. So I feel like it's easier to do video first. Do you think people have an easier time with video first or the written word? It depends on the person. Some people just don't feel comfortable on video and that's okay. Then if that's the case, you're probably not doing any video or you're using Descript and just doing a screen share with your video, something like that.
1: Well, for all of our listeners, I will give you a little tiny secret. When I first started this podcast, which was over 350-odd podcasts ago, There were more than just a handful that I fully scripted out. And if you go back to the early days, like I kind of sound like I might have been reading a little bit. And, you know, then I got really good at not sounding like I was reading. But then I realized I was spending so much time pre-planning what I was going to say and read in front of a video um, to be captured. And actually back in the day, it was just an audio before I turned into a video you set yourself up for a lot of uphill battles of work. And if you can get yourself over the hump of just being comfortable on a camera and talking and knowing that at worst, you can edit later on, yeah, you will be miles ahead of the game.
0: Yeah. I think that we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be perfect and people don't even like that. They don't want you to be perfect. They want you to be human. <laughs> And it's okay to have the dog barking in the background. It yeah, really my kids have walked in on videos and I, I grab all of those afterwards and put them in blooper reels and put them up online. People like that stuff. It's fine, yeah, why not? <laughs> and so
1: what would be your approach? You're working with someone, you've created a marketing plan, you've started putting systems in place,
0: then what? if they are going to be taking over the marketing and i'm not doing the execution side of it then that's when i build out their internal processes and systems and what we'll want to do then is look at how can we streamline this as much as possible can we systemize it and set up your project management tool so everything is templated and when you're starting a new project, it's all set up for you. The right people are assigned. The due dates are already preset for you. So we set it up in a project management tool template. Everything we then look at it in terms of batching. Let's group our like tasks together and set up a batching environment. So you can do this when you have time, especially those tiny marketing departments, you can you know just set a day on your calendar where I'm going to be working on blog content this day.
1: Instead of trying to say, oh, I have three blogs I'm going to do. Let me do two hours here, one hour there, and three hours the next day, because it does not make sense at all to do that. And you're going to waste a monumental amount of resources, time, and money.
0: Yeah, it all really depends on how you like to work best, because maybe that does work for you. But maybe you're the kind of person who likes a little bit of chaos, so you might want to do set it up for a couple hours of blog research and then working on social media posts, but set it up so you have this batching environment and you have all of the assets you need to complete that batching day successfully ahead of time, although it makes much more sense just to sit down and do that draft all at once. (laughs)
1: does, but like I can tell you from countless times of working with our own team members that that board batching is so, so, so important because there's nothing that will take a content marketing strategy off the rails quicker if you don't have templates and if you don't group like with like because you will string out a process that already is a little difficult feeling at first but that makes it really tremendously harder to actually manage and maintain.
0: Yeah, for example, when I'm batching content, I will write the article, the emails and the social media copy all at the same time because it's all in my head. The research is fresh and I can do it right then. And then the next step would be automating anything that can be automated. So we'll look through those systems what can a robot do <laughs> that, what does not need a human? And then last is looking at outsourced. We'll look at the Eisenhower matrix. What makes sense to delegate? What is it that you hate doing? What takes you forever to do? What would be cheaper to have someone else do? And then we look at what makes sense to outsource. And and that's that. What type of things do you outsource usually for companies? So some of them just don't want to write, so we'll outsource the writing, or they want to use AI for the writing, so we'll outsource the editing, because you do not want to just publish something that's AI. You need to. And that needs you to be fixed.
1: Chat GPS is not like the perfect thing under <laughs> the sun, as far as like absolutely being accurate.
0: No. It <laughs> i know that we are all bowing down and praising chat GPT right now but i
1: just call it gps so that's okay (laughs) Mm yes
0: i have no problem with ai but you have to do it very strategically you need to make sure that your voice is pulled throughout you need to make sure that you have hooks and closes and quotes from subject matter experts and influencers that are internal you need to really change a lot to make it work, but it can still work. You have a lot of
1: university professors right now talking about how um, students are using this and tool and they're using Jarvis and other things as well. And they can't tell, but what they can do is see where uh, they're writing about known implausibilities, things that have already been proven false. And because they're resourcing this through AI, AI is just throwing that in there as well. So that happens with your blogs and any of the content and the articles you're writing is a business too if you're not super hyper aware of what you're doing.
0: Yeah, yeah, you need to dig in deep. And also AI will pull in information that's inaccurate if it's pulling in stats and do your own research, pull in your own stats and your own quotes if you're going to be using it. Other things to outsource back to the outsourcing thing. Really like low level, not important things like email management, adding your social media to the social media tool, putting in your blogs into a CMS and formatting it. If you have Canva templates, put changing them up for the different social media posts, things like that are easy to outsource and foolproof with your templates. It's easy peasy.
1: And then as far as internal, you know, do you need to hire or assign people specific past duties that are, you know, core to writing or should you as a business, especially a small or medium-sized business, be looking internally at your sales teams, your doers who also have something to be able to share and talk about? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think for small businesses, having the doers write the first draft is amazing. Those subject matter experts and that firsthand experience is beautiful, chef's kiss. And Google loves that. They love when it's like firsthand experience, they even add an extra E to the eat method in, in SEO. So I say bring in a subject matter expert whenever possible, but work with a content strategist. So you have the strategy at the core of it and then you assign it to those subject matter experts and then you have that content strategist do the final edit. So it's pulling through your voice and it's formatted correctly and all of that. Is there
1: anything else internally that people do to kind of make it easier on themselves?
0: I would say that a lot of companies that I work with, they don't bring on automation as soon as they should. There's a fear that the social media algorithms will diminish them, push them down. If there's automation or something like that, and I say bring it on because it's better to show up through automation or a scheduler than to not show up at all. And oftentimes that's what happens is you lose track of time and you just don't show up for three months, at least if you have a scheduler. Look, is my house haunted? Do you see that orb come down? <laughs> At least if you have it scheduled, you're showing up.
1: <laughs> and with automation, what you're talking about is just figuring out tools, whether it's a HubSpot, whether it mm-hmm. is a social media scheduler, something that can like what I love about HubSpot is that it's what we use. I bought it. It was more expensive than pretty much any other HubSpot's not cheap, It, it was <laughs> not cheap at all. And at the time we weren't utilizing it anywhere near the level we should, we still aren't, but I loved it because even an intern would be able to figure out if we had the template, how to go in and write and put it in versus like in WordPress, my goodness, like back in the day at least, WordPress was so difficult to work with and you needed to actually understand the whole back end and where things were. So having tools that make things simpler, even if they cost a little bit more money, can make you be way more
0: successful because people won't jump ship. That's true. And a HubSpot is a whole different animal where it is an entire suite of products all in one, so it makes every it connects everything really nicely and it allows you to be able to track like going back to the beginning of this conversation, having to track all of your analytics and your campaigns and seeing what really works with HubSpot, you can do that really well. What are other tools you like? And this is
1: not promoting HubSpot, by the way. No, HubSpot is, as far as I know, is
0: not sponsoring. (laughs) This This is not being sponsored by HubSpot now, but if they'd like (laughs) to, my phone number is just. (laughs) So when I'm working with really small companies, I like Squarespace combined with MailChimp because they play nicely together. And MailChimp directly integrates with, everything from the commerce and the membership side, too. So you can have your entire business, even if it's like a shopping site, your entire business can live between Squarespace and MailChimp. I use SmarterQ for my social media automation. I love the reports and how many accounts I can have on there. But when I wasn't managing multiple accounts, I used Meet Edgar and RecurPost. Those are really good, too. I always recommend that people use a social media automation that will recycle your most popular posts. So you're showing up even when you're on vacation. I'm using Flowdesk for my own email right now. And that one's beautiful because it's one price, no matter how many contacts you have. So you can email a million people and it still costs the same amount of money. That is a far
1: better deal than HubSpot or MailChimp.
0: I know it's rough when your list gets a little bit bigger how expensive email marketing can be but Flowdesk it's all one price.
1: And how can people find you Sarah? If someone's like, "Okay, I'm not ready to take this on myself, but I would love to bring someone like Sarah on
0: to help." Where do they go? They can find me at my website saranorwellblock.com, it's just my name. I'm also on all the socials with the same name, my name, (laughs) but I hang out on LinkedIn. And then there's my podcast, Tiny Marketing Show. Awesome. And any last words of parting advice to our
1: listeners today who may be a little trepidatious about how to get started?
0: Yeah. Don't be afraid of experimentation. A lot of people are afraid of failing, but there is no failing in marketing. There's only learning. So it's okay to test something out, see it doesn't work and move on to the next thing. That's good. And one
1: other question for you, how do you know if what you're doing is successful? Like, And when I say that, I don't mean you're getting sales overnight, but you're not going to get an unbelievable explosion of growth over anything you do. How long is it worth doing and testing before you pull that plug and say, you know what the analytics say, this is not giving me any sort of results.
0: I give it a quarter. I give almost everything a quarter. So every quarter is my new experimentation period and I'll try something new. And I just make sure to set those benchmarks ahead of time. This is success. So I know when to cut ties with something.
1: And I will say from personal experience that if you just start creating content, whatever type of content that is, you are going to level up other people's value of what you say and believe, and you establish yourself and your business as more of an expert in mm-hmm. your space. And you're gonna see a difference where instead of if you're a service business, Instead of explaining what you do so much, every phone call you have, that's a sales call. You're going to find that people are actually coming to you where they have knowledge because In our world today, people are DIYers, and I'm not saying that they want to do everything themselves, but they want to have the information and ingest the information and think that they're actually making a smart decision. So typically they're doing research and homework, so they at least have an idea of who you are. So your sales cycle is going to completely shift and change, so it's Mm -hmm. worth the investment and time.
0: Yeah. Content marketing is like having a 24-hour salesperson. You're selling without having to be on.
1: And, you know, Sarah, we didn't even talk about like one of the core things I was excited to talk to you about, which (laughs) was creating educational systems actually for your business as well. So, you know, I know that you have a tremendous amount that you offer um, peoples and to our listeners, you know, please, you know, reach out to her if you have any questions. Thank you are welcome. And to everyone who's tuned in today, thank you for taking time to listen to another episode of Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I look forward to chatting with you this next week. And until then, if you are trying to figure out how not necessarily to create your own content, but you'd like to get into other people's content, say, you know, a TV show or a feature film through product placement or an influencer social feed, Reach out to my agency, Hollywood Branded, and we'd be happy to chat. Have a great one.